The Nonprofit Happy Hour. A weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. Listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Rachel Miller Howard. On today's show, we bring you a conversation with Robin Wang, who's the executive director of Ascent Funding. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined uh, with the executive director from Ascent Funding, Robin Wang. How are you doing? I'm good. So I'm going to read off really what the, the mission statement is, and, I, and, and let's get into the details of that. So Ascent Funding is to create financial equity and jobs in the Portland area through lending and business guidance to minority-owned women-owned, disadvantaged, and low-income business communities. Yep. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Uh, a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of words as well. And and I think one way, one avenue into talking about this is to talk about who Ascent Funding was and, and why you have expanded the mission. So formerly had been Albina Opportunities Corporation. Correct. And so this is more than a name change because it, it, it sounds as if uh, it, you, you're expanding the geographic uh, impact as well as the demographic impact. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, back in the founding days, you know, 10, 10 11 years ago, um, we, we were uh, founded primarily to help uh, African-American owned businesses. And so hence the name Albina to kind of reference the, the neighborhood. Um, shortly thereafter, two or three years thereafter, and I wasn't there at the time, um, we expanded our uh, uh, scope to address the disparities facing my other minorities like you know Hispanic and Asian owned businesses as well as women owned businesses um, we've always been kind of focused around the Portland metro area so geographically we didn't you know expand too much um, but um, again the Albina name was kind of referencing the neighborhood that kind of fostered or uh, the reason why we started is, is to address the, the capital access disparities and so we're, we're talking about business lending correct correct not consumer Right, right, and and uh, uh, business lending, but I also would imagine, and 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 I don't mean the, a bad connotation, but there's strings attached to the loan in terms of providing education. Well, we have two we have two programs, right? Okay. A lot of nonprofits have multiple programs, and we have two programs. One is the lending program, the loan program, and we make fair and affordable loans to businesses that are not able to secure traditional bank capital, and we can talk about you know lots about that area. But then we also have the advisory program, and that's um, advising education programs that, um, A, we offer to every borrower that um, uh, that borrows money from us, and it's a, a means to address maybe some of the challenges as to why they couldn't get a bank loan. But we also, uh, more increasingly, are offering our advisory services to just general business owners to help them become more prepared for getting a bank, ca- uh, bank loan. And if you're able, through our work, to be able to get a bank loan, fantastic. You know, that's, you know, mission success. Um, but maybe you're not, but at least you're kind of a few steps closer to the goal. And our, our one of our ultimate goals, excuse me, is to 
help our clients become bankable and secure traditional bank loans, um, whether it's through our capital or and or through our uh, advisory programs. So, so are these loans exclusively uh, seed money or startup money, or or are these also is this also for operational or expansion of business? Ours is the type of lending that we do is is more for growth capital and operating capital. Um, so you know you you've started your business. So we don't finance startups. There are others organizations like us that do uh, fi- uh, startups, but we don't. Um, so we tend to focus on growth businesses. So you've already launched a business, it's done well, but now you need that additional capital to take it to the next step, um, or maybe that first batch of you know. Um, jam that you made or whatever product that you made went well and people want to buy more, you need capital to buy more raw materials so you can make more of your product. Um, so growth capital is, is one area that we do. We also provide working capital and a lot of our clients are in the construction industry. And um, believe it or not, they, their payment terms that are dictated by their clients often uh, have net 60, net 90 payment terms. So you do your job and they said, great, thank you, we'll pay you in 60 to 90 days, right? And, um, you know, you're fortunate that you have the business, but you got to wait 60 to 90 days. And in the meantime, you have bills to pay, materials, employees to pay. So we provide the working capital to help bridge that gap between the time you you know incur those costs to when you get paid by your clients. Yeah, most most employees are not uh, uh, willing or thrilled to no. wait sixty to ninety <laughs> days to get their payment. But as an entrepreneur, your business has to sometimes. It's just the nature of the industry or the the contracts that you you sign up. So are are these typically uh, smaller businesses, uh, two to ten uh, uh, staff, or or are we are you looking at larger? I mean, or are you dealing with the full scope of businesses? I think we have the full scope. We have, you know, some mom and pops is husband and wife team and, and they want to kind of grow it to the next stage. Um, but we also have businesses that uh, have, you know, 20, 30 employees um, and are pulling in, you know, over $1 million to $2 million worth of avenue revenues. So <clears throat> it depends, you know, each business has its own needs and kind of where they want to go next. Um, so, you know, yeah, from very small to you know, larger small businesses, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I want to just keep continuing to sort of establish the scope of who you're working with, and then and then get into some more of the 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 detail or some more of the the uh, the landscape of of what those businesses are trying to navigate. Share a success story. Sure. Um, so we have a a client. Uh, I can't mention their name because they're still a client of ours. But they were in a they are in the construction business, and um, they were impacted significantly negatively by the you know Great Recession. So this is dating back five seven years ago. Um, their back office, their financial operations, wasn't the greatest. So they had a challenge managing their uh, finances and because of the you know the, the double whammy of the recession they started getting behind on their payments um, they had a small line of credit um, back then and that was called from the bank because the bank said hey we're in a recession you're too risky we're not going to lend to you they started getting behind on their taxes uh, and they had a nice sized tax lien from the IRS because they got behind on their taxes and once you have a tax lien on the business don't even bother trying to apply for a loan from a bank because um, you know the the IRS can at any moment pull whatever ma- cash you have in your bank account and use it to apply to the back taxes. Um, so banks will not lend to um, any business as a lien. So from a you know kind of a 
uh, credit perspective, this was a very challenging client. But the business was still growing despite you know the the the, the recession, and so um, you know they actually came to us in the midst of the recession, and we said, you look, you you don't, you can't produce financial reports, and we actually told them no right away. Uh, and they went away for about a year, um, and they came back about a year later, got their act together. Uh, they hired someone to oversee their finances. You know, the financial reports were night and day difference. And we said, okay, good, we can lend to that. So we started off with a relatively small, from our perspective, $50,000 loan. And their business continued growing and growing. And now they have almost a quarter million dollar line of credit with us because they're just growing. I mean, they're doing fantastic right now, um, very profitable, and they would be bankable. But the problem is um, that tax lien, which we refinanced because we got, you know, um, we trusted them and we knew they were doing well, we decided to refinance the tax lien so they don't owe the IRS any more money. And what, um, but um, lenders still look back three or four years and they still see that tax lien from three or four years ago, so they're not going to lend them. Um, and so for this business, um, I would figure in about another year or two, there, there, there are going to be enough history between when that tax lien was lifted to where they are now, and you know they'll get a, a traditional bank loan. Um, so you know this is a story where over time it didn't happen overnight. This over the course of about five years. You know we started off with a no, they did some of their homework, they got their act together, and we came in with some financing, some additional advice and guidance, and got them to, you know, a, a tremendously fast-growing business right now. They've expanded up to Seattle and, you know, parts down south, and um, it's just a matter of time before they get a bank loan. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about that initial no, um, because you, you are dealing with companies who are not able to qualify for a traditional loan. So you're dealing with companies that have some risk factors involved. And I would imagine at a certain point, you also reach your threshold when you have to say yeah. no. Uh, um, how, how often does that ha happen? Um, you know, it's, we don't, the, the, we have a, <laughs> it's a hard question to answer. Um, we do say no. And it does happen more than we'd like it to be. Um, the way we don't have our application process is, is not like you fill out a form and, and then it goes into this black box and three weeks later it comes up with a yay or nay. Um, there's a lot of upfront, compared to a traditional bank loan, there's a lot of upfront discovery uh, and conversations going on because you, know, you can have a low credit score and that will automatically, a bank would say, no, your, your credit score is 550. Just, no, we're not going to lend to you. Whereas, you know, for us, we'll kind of probe one layer deeper and says, okay, why is your credit score 550? Is it because of medical emergency or is it because you've never paid your bills on time? Or maybe you had a divorce or maybe it's a recession and you had to do, made some, you know, looking back, not so great de decisions. Um, so there isn't, in, in many cases, there isn't a, a discrete moment where we say yes or no, um, but we try to come to a decision, you know, relatively soon. And, you know, they, there, there are 10 to 15 very common reasons why a bank will say no. And if you have one of those reasons, you know, probably, you know, and everything else is good, we can probably work with that. Two, eh, it starts getting difficult. But, you know, we often now have clients that come in with three or more of those challenges and 
you know, the way we work and the way we get our funding, we, we just can't work with that. And unfortunately, we have to have to say no. Um, but we still offer the advisory services. So, you know, we, last week we told someone no and we said, but your business is growing. You're more than happy to spend some, some time with our capital advisors over the next few months. And, you know, maybe we can help you address some of those concerns that we have. And maybe in six months we can, um, you know, provide you that financing you're looking for. So it's not really a no, but it's a no, but, you know, maybe we can help you. And, and in the future we can say yes. Robin Wang is executive director for Ascent Funding. Uh, you, you you mentioned uh, uh, where you get your money, and I want to take a quick music break and then come <laughs> back and talk about that, and also talk about why you are a nonprofit. That is that is a, 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 I would think a unique uh, structure to have in the financial world. So uh, you brought in a couple songs. You want to start with one of them? Uh, sure. I'll start with uh, I Need a Dollar by Aloe Black. And I think uh, the kind of the rationale, the motivation behind that is there's a verse in there that talks about um, uh, some, the singer's you know job is threatened by the boss man. Right. And I think a lot of our entrepreneurs that, you know, we work with, they start their own business because they don't want to they want to be independent. They want to be able to control. They want to be the boss man. They don't want to have their lives dictated by the boss man. And they need capital. So this song kind of resonates with that theme of, you know, being their own boss man and, you know, needing the capital so they can start or grow their business.
This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm talking with Robin Wang, who is executive director for Ascent Funding uh, here in Portland, which which uh, provides uh, lending and business guidance to uh, minority-owned, women-owned, disadvantaged, low-income businesses. Um, you are a nonprofit. Yes. That's interesting, <laughs> I, right? Yeah, we don't do kittens or you know provide human <laughs> services. Yeah, we're we're a financial institution, but we're a nonprofit. And and uh, one, how unique is that? And 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 do you know why that decision was? What what advantages to being a nonprofit uh, are there? Well, to answer your first question, you know, how unique is it? It's actually not unique in the United States. There are uh, actually hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, nonprofits that do the type of work that we do. Uh, we're called Community Development Financial Institutions, CDFIs for short, and it's a designation by the U.S. Treasury to say that you know we are financial institutions like banks, uh, but the existence or the purpose of why we exist is for community development purposes. Um, and so, for that reason, there are some for-profit CDFIs out there, but most are, are non-profit because. Um, most deal with housing or healthcare, or uh, they provide capital to to community related projects or initiatives or purposes. Um, so our focus, you know, happens to be uh, business lending and you know helping minority women owned businesses, you know, secure the capital so that you know they can grow and, and thrive. So what 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 over is there? There must be oversight. I mean, you're a financial institution, and the the Department of Treasury is 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 who verifies. But also, uh, the, I, I would imagine there's some interaction there beyond that. There, there is. I, I, we're not. I mean, the reg the the U.S. Treasury is not our sole regulator, so to say. You know, they once a year you know require us to submit some paperwork just to certify that we're doing community development work it's it's oversight but i wouldn't say it's strong oversight uh, not like a, a bank regulator that would come in and look at the books and look at the performance and the loans and and whatnot um we also uh at our stage and our uh kind of um size of the portfolio um, we do get our financial statements audited every year by a third-party auditor. So, you know, not unlike uh, uh, some other nonprofits or, you know, fin- some financial institutions. So 
uh, we have a board that we re report to that we operate with and and they get the reports from the auditors so there is you know um, some oversight in, in terms of making sure that you know uh, we're we're doing what we're intended to do uh, and then th there's our funders right um, you know those the individuals and organizations that give us the capital to make available to uh, our borrowers they want to make sure that we're doing what we told them <laughs> we're doing and so they get copies of the audits and you know uh, some of them ask us to fill annual fill annual reports and other types of you know documentation to ensure that you know again we're doing what we're doing and a a as a nonprofit are these funders able then to work with you as the, the, their investors and they're getting a return on their investment or is this a, is this charitable for them uh, I would say the whole spectrum. So, you know, we do have uh, some funders that have donated capital to us. Um, and it's just a right out, flat, out, flat out donation or grant. And they said, you know, we support what you're doing. Here's a check. Uh, please continue what, we, what you're doing. Um, and, you know, let me know if we can you know, help you. Um, and at the other end of the spectrum, we have, you know, some investors who say, you know, we love what we, you're doing. You know, we're going to we'd love to give you some capital so you can make these loans but we just want it back at some point, right? And so it's a loan. So, you know, most of the capital that we have is, is a loan. And um, those investors, the difference is, A, you know, they, they know what they're getting into, right? They, they know that, you know, it's a little, we're a little riskier than, a, you know, if you put the same money in a CD in a bank, you're, you know, you're, you'll get it back one day, plus, you know, whatever interest you get. They know what we're doing. They know there's a little bit more risk. Um, they're also willing to sometimes sacrifice uh, some return. Uh, maybe they could get 5% back investing in, in this for-profit entity. But they said, look, you know, uh, if I put this money in here, I know what I'm doing, um, you know, and I'll settle for 1% or 2% back interest in the form of interest. Um, they also allow us um, very uh, flexible terms. So, um you know, we have some funders that give us 10 years to do what we're doing. And um, they said, here's the money, do what you need to do. Um, we'll, you know, take it back in 10 years. That gives us a lot of time to work with that money. We can A, redeploy that money. So when we make out a loan, someone pays it, we can redeploy it again. Um, you know, some of our loans do get hiccups and there are problems along the way. And that gives us time to say, okay, you can't pay the loan in three years. Maybe you can pay back in seven years, right? And so we reconfigured a loan halfway through and, and you know, reconfigure it in, in seven or whatever it takes to make that loan happen. So that gives us a lot of flexibility uh, to make more creative, more flexible loans to accommodate some of the challenges that some of our clients might be facing. Uh, I, I, that's, that's an incredible amount of uh, generosity and and optimism from from your funders. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about on on the the, the recipient end of that. Uh, these business owners who are coming to you, uh, you give good rates, I assume. We're a little bit more expensive than banks um, because you know sometimes it, it takes a little bit more work for, to do deploy the capital that that we do, but it's still fair and affordable. Right now, I'd say the average loan rate is about 10%. So, um, you know, if you go to a bank, you have a good credit, you know, your finances are good, probably get a loan in the 6 to 8% range. So we're a little bit more than banks. 
but were cheaper than credit cards, um, which, you know, and start at 15% and go up. Um, and then, you know, there are a lot of these online lenders right now that guarantee you capital in 48 hours. And we've seen effective interest rates on those loans as high as 75 to 100%, which is incredible. But, um, you know, they, they give you the capital right away. And it's pretty easy to get that capital. Yeah, talk to me about that a little bit. I mean, so that that, that really gets into the predatory. Yes. And, 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 um, but, but very inviting for a, an entrepreneur who is uh, a mixture of desperate and optimistic, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah that's a good way of yeah, putting it, yes. And, yeah. and how, how prevalent is that? I mean, how, how are you having clients come in who have gotten themselves into a corner with loans like that? Uh, um, how, how do you steer somebody away from it or how do you rescue somebody from that situation? I mean, that seems like that gets to be such a deep hole that it can't get it, out of. It can be a deep hole, and and you know because it's so easy, right? You you go online, you you know they, they, these snazzy websites, they make it really easy, great UI, you know, <laughs> couple clicks, and forty eight hours, you know, you find out if you get usually twenty four hours, you get a decision if not right away, and then forty eight hours, the money lands in your bank account. It's like all the headache and trouble is, is gone. So they. They make it really, really easy. And, you know, we've had people start and they say, oh, I'll just do a five or $10,000 loan. And, you know, they just kind of do this over and over and over again. And, you know, one of our clients came to us, or I mean, we didn't end up lending to them, but they came in with $150,000 to, you know, some of these lenders. And it's just like, we can't help you. It's just so much debt that um, we can't, right? We've had clients that come to us ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and they're looking for fifty thousand dollars for some other project. And we'll say, "Look, you know, we'll fund this other project. We'll just slap in another ten or fifteen thousand dollars to refinance this kind of expensive debt, um, and then you start kind of clean with that." When it's small like that, we can this flexibility. But you know, when you start approaching six figures or more, it's it's a hole that is very difficult to 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 get out of. And um, you know, it's just it. Yeah, it's just a very deep hole. Um, and and I want to talk a little bit about some of your background uh, and then go back into some of the businesses that you're working with. Because obviously that the businesses you're working with give an incredible insight into who's living, who's working, uh, who has dreams of businesses in, in, in Portland. Um, you're a New Yorker. I am a New Yorker. <laughs> you, you, you grew up in the city? or uh, I grew up on Long Island and then um, pretty much spent my adult life uh, lots in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and and uh, uh, you know New York business world is different than the Portland business world. It is, right. <laughs> uh, did you have to throttle back some of your 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 New York instincts when you came here, or how do you apply those? I think the the kind of the business instinct, which I learned through osmosis, you know, you know, that's it's just the best way of explaining it. I think that came in very handy because I just you know have you know that kind of street creed, so to say. Um, I, I get this question asked a lot, and I think you know, in New York, to make it, you you're 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 required to constantly hustle and bustle, and you know, kind of live an almost seven twenty four life. Um, and uh, when I moved to Portland about fifteen sixteen years ago, uh, it's changed since then. But when I moved back then, I think the big difference is that you could decide whether you want to live a seven twenty four life or not. You didn't have to, right? You could have the you know kind of sit back more you know laid back lifestyle and you can still do well um and i think for me uh in, when i came to portland i got involved with the business as a business owner and you know you, i had to live that 724 kind of lifestyle i'm exaggerating a little bit but um you know it, it's just constantly on lifestyle and but that's a choice that i made it's not a choice i had to do 
Um, and so I think that was, for me, the big difference between New York and, and Portland. Uh, if if you were to uh, uh, travel back in time and give yourself some advice on when you were when you're starting up or running your own businesses, is there is there something that that you've learned from giving out loans and working with these companies that that would be applicable? I I would have um, probably started my entrepreneurial kind of because um, I, I worked for the corporate world for about ten or fifteen years before you know becoming an entrepreneur and getting involved with small businesses. I think I would have started earlier. And probably taking on more risks. Um, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s without a family, you know, I, I didn't know it back then. But, you know, I could have taken significantly more risk. And if I failed, I probably still would have came out, you know, fine. Now, you know, um, 15, 20 years later, I got three kids. One's about to go to college. I, I can't take those risks. You know, I love to, but I, I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, uh, moving that conversation a bit over to, to the changing nature of Portland, uh, uh, um, more or less opportunities here, especially for the businesses that you're working with, uh, minority-owned, women-owned, disadvantaged, low-income, low tougher place now to start a, to start a business? Um. Or it, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I think you know a lot of our clients um, are in the construction industry, and right now construction is booming. Now there's some gray clouds in the horizon, but you know construction is doing really well. So, um, you know, if you have a skill or a talent and a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit in your blood, you can start your business, and you know you're you're fertile ground right now to 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 launch your business. Um, I think. The challenge right now is that Portland, at least compared to where I came in 15 years ago, is, is much more expensive to do business now, right? Um, rent and real estate has gone up considerably. Unemployment, um, you know, there's still some pockets of unemployment among the populations that we serve, but compared to 15 years ago, it's, it's you know, significantly tighter. And many of the clients that we work with, um, that we, we finance, they say right now, the challenge is not getting more capital, it's getting employees. Um, so we've had clients that had to turn away business because they can't have hired employees to to you know make good on those contracts. Um, so capital for them, for, for a subset, not everybody, but for a subset, that's the constraining factor. Uh, jobs and employees are a constraining factor as opposed to capital. Robin Wang is executive director for Ascent Funding. This is the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. Thanks for listening. Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corp that holds to a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our producer is me, Rachel Miller-Howard. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, and ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.